Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Uh, Tuesday, the uh, what is the twenty eighth or something like that? Thirtieth of 30th. May. Thirtieth. Yeah. Jeez, I got some stuff I'm supposed to do by the end of May. <laughs> well, you got today and tomorrow. Yeah, I better hurry up. I better hustle. Uh, well, here in Minneapolis, we do no mo May. I, I know Rob that you and in Northwest Arkansas do no mo April. <laughs> Uh, we, we were gone for five days at a family uh, wedding in New York City, came home uh, only to find out that our neighbors, according to my neighbor across the street, said, we decided on no mow most of May, not no mow May. So our yard looks like a jungle and an uncared for house and everybody else, they mowed this weekend. And uh, all of a sudden it was like, well, the pageants are either super committed to those bees or just don't don't really care. Um, yeah, so, I can imagine with the Memorial Day holiday, there's that desire to just, you know, clean it up, give it all a clean shave and don't, don't. be out in the backyard without having to worry about ticks or something. Bees. Yeah. Or bees or all the things that like an unmowed yard is supposed to produce for you. We don't want any of those when we're actually using the yard. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my wife is a very uh, committed, uh, grower of things in the summer in our backyard and we have a, a mm -hmm. large garden area five big box beds full of vegetables and the things she's fighting all the time are the very critters that live in the wild i mean like outside is great and beautiful and you want things to grow naturally and you want to eat out of your own yard but you don't want the rabbits eating them you don't want the deer eating them you don't want the bees and buzzes and you don't want the worms not the and it's just like I don't know. We're fighting against nature, like we're in yeah. the third third chapter of the book of Genesis or something around here. How are things looking there, in Northwest Arkansas, weather wise? Uh, you know, are you guys, uh, yeah, you guys hanging, hanging tight. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. The uh, it's been sunny and great. I got the whoa. Did you, wow. just hear some did you just hear some loud noise of maybe me yeah. clicking on a tab of yeah maybe a you, guitar uh, video I was watching once. Yeah, yeah. So we got some Sorry guitar that, lessons. Everybody. Yeah. So we, uh, oh, we'll, we'll take it out and post. Uh, so yeah, yeah we, no, we, we got, uh, you know, just beautiful, beautiful weather. And, uh, and my sister in law is, uh, is visiting, uh, for the weekend and into this week. And so we're having a good time, uh, with her and her children, who I, I oh. now, I, I refer to as my nibblings. Uh, really? You know, I think in yeah. places like Northwest Arkansas, maybe. Well, why, why would you call them nibbling? <laughs> Are you familiar this, this with the word nibbling? Well, I'm, I'm a f familiar with the word nibble, and I'm really hoping it just is not related to that Nibblings word. is the gender-neutral term for nieces and nephews. Like siblings? Nibblings. Yeah, but nibblings. Nieces and nephews. It's the gender-neutral. So I... Uh, I I, I just I love saying that they're my nibblings. That is just the look. I get it. The language has to develop. We create new mm -hmm. words all the time. There were yeah. none, and now we have many, many. By the way, that's only spelled with five letters, and some of them were hard to figure out today. By the way, I don't know if you wordled, but today's I got it. I did too. At number six, once I was oh. panicking and having to look at a at a website to ask for some help oh. on words that have a thing in a place and a thing here and there. And 
Yeah, got me. <laughs> yeah. So I know the language needs to develop. And we're going to make up new words all the time. And we should. But they don't all work. All, especially our mashup little words. You know, yeah. like blog was okay, I guess. You know, when it was a... Yeah. Uh, or a vlog, a video. I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> a fan of vlog. vlog but nibbling... No. Nibbling? Are, do you like nibbling? No, I you don't like so nibbling. Much. I feel like it's like some someone you nibble, <laughs> and then believing that it's your uh, children of your sibling. <laughs> no, I, I, may I never use may I never use the word cuke for cucumber, guac oh. for guacamole, or nibbling for. I, I mean, we the could, relatives if, of my siblings. Yeah, you, you know what word I. I do hate, I hate the word kiddos. Hmm. Kiddos. No, kids. Kids is good. Like kiddos kiddo. does not need uh, to be abbreviated or kids if, does not need to be abbreviated into kiddos. <laughs> it's you, just, you don't need to make it longer. Like right. And I really hate you. And you know, folks that are watching along with us, please in the comments, tell us the words that you hate. Oh my love. And, please, and we just, will. Oh, I love this kind of conversation. Um, I hate the word wifey. Huh. My wifey. Wifey. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Okay. If you talk about like, you know, you spent the weekend with your wifey and your kiddos. I'm just, I'm out of that conversation. I'm just out. And I'm also, (laughs) and you know, you know this about me that I enjoy turning a, uh, turning a noun into a verb as much as the, as much as anybody. Um, (laughs) As much as literally anybody. Can you yeah. effort efforting? Yeah, because I love turn. using the word effort as a verb, I'm efforting that. Um, but I hate the word gift as a verb. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Like I gifted something. Like yes. No, huh. you gave. We already have a word. It's gave. You don't oh. have to gift something. You give it. Uh, but isn't the intention that <clears throat> when you've turn something over to someone else sometimes it could be just a natural exchange but in the other time it would be I, this had the intention of being a gift yes like if you gave is- five dollars to the clerk at the store to pay for your sorbet or you yes. gifted five dollars to your nibbling uh, <laughs> uh oh my gosh <laughs> just, i really hope we get like a like a uh, one of those violation strikes on the on the youtube channel for like inappropriate <laughs> inappropriate language like dangerous just for for the word nibbling i'll tell you when ron DeSantis hears the word nibbling oh. he is going to uh, oh. uh sleepwalk himself right into a yeah, he will. I'm sure his wife, he will sure, go bonkers and get him. I'm on sure. Ron DeSantis will ban the word nibbling in Florida the uh, same way Sarah Huckabee Sanders banned the word Latinx in uh, in Arkansas. See, oh, did she? Oh, that's right. I yeah, about yeah that. all yes. uh, all official documents cannot Can't use say the Latinx. term Latinx. Um, see, the thing with nibbling, I guess what I've done, and maybe it's the same thing with sibling, is it the, the ing makes it feel like it's a it's a verb. Right? It does. Not, not, I thought not. I thought I thought you were no, making no. a smooth transition into talking about politics, but then no, you came really right stuck. back to No, I'm really it's just I'm really spiral. <laughs> uh, okay, let's take one more nibble at this and then we'll then we'll set it aside and sort of be down. All right, so let us know in the little chats there, especially if you're on YouTube, which is our favorite place for you to chat. 
yeah. if you have words and, and I don't know generally how the weather is or, or if you're like me feeling sort of a little vomit in your throat uh, <laughs> over, <laughs> over that. Yeah. How do you feel about the word nibbling? That's what we would like to hey, hey, Rob, I feel like in politics world, yeah. we are at this place right now where it's like the preseason before the preseason of a sporting yes. of, of, of a sport launching. When, yes, when I was a college yes, basketball player, we had, training. we had captain's practice, mm -hmm. which happened before the preseason, which came before the season. Right. Yes. So like you, and so in baseball, I guess there'd yeah. be people often know spring training, but there's like the season before preseason. Yeah. Because it feels like labor day is the start of preseason. January is the start of the season, the political season for, for politics, 2024. So, you know, September, October, November, December, that's, we're kind of getting there. Now mm -hmm. you're in this period that's just before that where, and they say this is the season where champions are born, where champions win. So it's the most, the summer, so the summer a year and a half before a national election, real low hanging fruit you know it's there's just not a lot there to i guess the opposite of low hanging fruit but yeah not a lot there to uh people talk about but it's one of the most important times because all the decisions that are made right now the people that decide to run for office and we're gonna hear your story and some uh, insights on what it takes to run for office all the rest of it but we're in this period of time now where i think a lot of us just don't even want to talk about politics um like we talk about faith and politics around here in the vote common good world all the time Mm -hmm. And being the Tuesday after Memorial Day, I was even feeling myself like, oh, my gosh, seriously, can't you just have the summer before the summer of the election year be the one that you don't have to talk about all this stuff? That's interesting, though, because we had some I mean, we've had some big news since we last talked. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, no, it's not it's not without some things happening, but it just I don't know. It feels like Memorial Day is behind. You've got 12 weeks of summer now. Uh and this should be the time, you know, when you just get to enjoy, uh, at least at least where I live. I know people that live in places where the weather's hot, super hot in the summer. They're like, oh, my gosh, summer's when we just stay inside and they're in the air conditioning. And, you know, I doom scroll. That's what we do January and February around here. We don't do that. In, <laughs> we don't do that in July and August. Uh, we get out and play in the in the Midwest. Yeah. So let's uh, let's chat a little bit about some of the some of the big news that is that that has happened in, yeah. in politics. I mean, unsurprisingly, Ron DeSantis got into the presidential race, um, launched his campaign on Twitter um, using Twitter did. Spaces, um, which is if if you're not familiar, Twitter Spaces was Twitter's uh, response to Clubhouse. Remember Clubhouse? Yeah. Um, is, that, is that gone now? Is that is that I, ceased? I think it's still around. It just is no longer nearly as you know popular mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the zeitgeist as it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and so Twitter Spaces is basically uh, an audio platform. Mm -hmm. It's essentially kind of a, a like a live podcast, a little bit like this. Um, yeah. And you know, there's there's people you you use your mobile phone. I don't think it's available on Twitter desktop. Um, yeah. And uh, and so Ron DeSantis got on uh, Twitter Spaces with uh, Elon Musk and uh, somebody else whose name I can't remember. Uh, who was actually the host of it and uh, you know, to announce his, his presidential campaign, which is interesting kind of going at, you know, Trump's 
2016 campaign was really dominated by Twitter. Um, yeah. yes. Took Twitter to a whole new level. Um, and so it has since, since being banned by Twitter has, and then reinstated, um, has still not returned to Twitter. So it was really interesting that Ron DeSantis trying to stake that out, trying to stake out the territory of um, conservatives in the, in the vein of Elon Musk trying to draft off of his coattails with a yeah. certain. Remember when Elon Musk was like, I just think this should be a town square and there should be all people and all voices yeah. that are going to be shared and everything should be, is that what that that's no. still, still no. working for you there, Elon? You still, <laughs> is that still so it's uh, point? The, the whole thing. I don't, they claim that it was because of so many people, you know, joining the Twitter space, but yeah. you know, all sorts of technical difficulties. They it had crashed. to switch and yeah. do it on a different Twitter space account with whoever the other guy was, whose name I can't remember. Uh, you know, a few hundred thousand people joined in, which I mean, clearly if we had a few hundred thousand people listening right now to our podcast, we would be thrilled, but we're also not announcing that we're running for president. Of yeah. United you're States. also not, we're also not Elon Musk who has taken over the, the platform. And a person yeah. who is a governor and wants to run for president against Donald Trump and spent a whole lot of energy trying to tell people we're going to do that thing here. And a bunch of people tuned in for sure, as they should. Mm -hmm. And then like a SpaceX launch, they just weren't prepared for the thing to work. Like I get it that in, in rocket science, and we talk about this on every other Thursday with astrophysicist Paul Wallace here on the Common Good Podcast, but in that world, you're, you're trying to do things that haven't been done before. And so failure, or what, what, what do they call it in the SpaceX world, Rob? They call it an, un, an unplanned disassembly when the, <laughs> when the rocket blew up. The unplanned yeah. disassemblies, that really is part of the learning process. That's something that you do. When you're a 15-year-old social media company that mm -hmm. should be able to have hundreds of thousands of people because that's the point for it not to work and then people yeah. to lose their jobs over it, I think it's a little indicator that if every time Ron DeSantis shows up, people lose their jobs. He is a job... Destroyer. Destroyer. <laughs> I know at least <laughs> one so guy... One guy that's not going to be voting for Ron DeSantis, and that's the person who got fired because Twitter is a disaster, has been yep. defunded. Uh, they defunded Twitter and fired a bunch of people and now trying to do it on uh, a shoestring of a budget because there's no money there because Elon Musk ruined it. And yep. it's just such a nightmare. I got to tell you, Rob, I mean, I think for, for Ron DeSantis to pick Twitter is yeah. the indicator of all indicators that his head is in the smallest of audience spaces really like he's trying to troll yeah he's trying to troll donald trump by being like i will do this on the platform that you're not on anymore that literally in the last three years millions of people have left that is now full of bots and nonsense and just crowded with and it is populated by People who are opinion shapers and makers totally get that. But if the visual or the story you want of people right now, five days out talking about the launch of your presidential campaign is that you picked the most divisive social media platform that is targeted to the smallest subset of people. 
Yeah. Like if you wanted to go after middle-aged, angry white men, I guess our podcast or right there (laughs) is a, is a great, is a, is a great place to go. But it's just an indicator that Ron DeSantis whole thing Mm -hmm. and his business about we're going to be the campaign that, that brings an end to wokeness in America, you know, which is what he said on on Fox news over over the weekend. Just, uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, honestly, had you been on Twitter in 2009, launching a presidential campaign, that would have been a big deal to be there in 2023, picking the, the, the punchline of social media outlets. Now I get it. I'm there. I use it. We're broadcasting this thing right now on Twitter, but in, in all honesty, it is not where social media is going. Had he even been on TikTok, right? Uh, which probably would have had problems since it's, you know, a, Chinese fishing expedition, but yeah, Republicans been, hate. Yeah, they do. Had it been anywhere else other than on like a platform that, and then for it not to work is just oh. bonkers to me, just uh, utterly bonkers. The only thing, the only thing that a social media platform like Twitter needs to have is the capacity for its servers to serve the number of people who are part of the platform. And if they said, we didn't expect, get a load of this, we didn't expect this many people to log on, then why did you do it on Twitter spaces? Yes. You really yep. didn't want 500,000 people just using their mobile phones to, to tap into something? Because you know where they could have done it? They could have done it on YouTube. They yep. could have done it on Instagram Live. They could have done it on Facebook. They probably could have done it on, I don't know, TikTok or... Snitch truth or social or or, or <laughs> <laughs> truth social they probably could but but no they they picked something because they really wanted people to pay attention yep. i mean they could have yep. done it on the news they they really could have like you know picked a place in florida and, a, and and then rob just let me ask you this who launches a presidential campaign that's audio only yeah. are, are we in 1939 and we're now going to have radio transmissions and the voice only what would make Ron DeSantis think the one thing I want people to associate with me, if you're Ron DeSantis, is my, my voice. voice? Have you heard the man's voice? It is not an appealing thing to uh, experience. Not melodious. <laughs> yes. there's, there's not like a like a like a. It's not a. He's got a he's got a voice made for television. I don't, I don't know what the it's, what the you know they say a face made for radio. Uh, I don't. He's got a voice nasally, made for it's for, it's not great. He's anyway. got a voice made for email. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just uh, honestly the whole rollout of that and then the places that they've gone and the things that they've done. It is not about expanding the the electorate. It is yeah. not about saying hey. I want you folks to get so excited that when the nomination process comes to your county and you have to go in a primary or the first ones are going to be a caucus style, I want people who've never thought about being in a primary before to be a part of this. He is clearly, Ron DeSantis is clearly not saying the way I'm going to win the Republican nomination is to broaden the tent. Right. It, and everything he has done, the, the way the campaign is rolled out, how is uh, how he's put his staff together and that his wife is the primary person running it. So he's running it like a 
uh, some kind of a family business. This whole idea, it just shows if anybody was hoping that Ron DeSantis was going to be the alternative to Donald Trump, it is not going to happen. This is Rudy Giuliani level of bad in 2015 or mm. in 2008. It's just, <laughs> just, it's, he's, He's going to be Scott Walker. Remember that guy when he was the big savior from Wisconsin yes. that was going to run? Or the, the, yes. the fellow from Minnesota, great state. The great state of Minnesota was going to be Tim Pawlenty. He was going to come crashing in, and he was going to say, though, it's going to be the Minnesota way. And these governors just fall apart and collapse. And Ron DeSantis, the only reason anybody is interested in that guy, outside of the small you know, sleepwalking crowd that's unwoke, is that he would be an alternative to Donald Trump. His primary argument for being a candidate is, I'm not Trump. When you ask him, why, they asked him on Fox News, I watched it this morning, why should people be excited about your candidacy? Well, I can win. And serve two terms. <laughs> and serve two terms, which was a, you know, a comment that uh, if you elect Trump, we're, we're just back in this again four years later, you know, because he can't. Mm -hmm. because, but. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when your candidacy is not about, here's what I'm thinking about the American people. Here's where I think America is. It's I can win. I can do it for two years and we can make sure wokeness doesn't happen in America. Really? Cause you think what most of the, your problem is Ron DeSantis culture is moving in a way that you don't like, and you're going to stop it. If we ever elected any elected official, let alone a president of the United States, whose primary promise is to stop the American people from developing culturally in the way we're developing. <laughs> what, what literally, what are these people talking about? I just don't understand for the life of me, how this makes any sense as a presidential uh, campaign. Yeah. I am looking for, I know very little about Ron DeSantis's wife, Casey, uh, but she has already taken a bit of a, um, villainous uh position amongst you know people that i follow and you know there's a lot of talk that she's the real power player and mm -hmm. he's he's merely a puppet um which um you know i that kind of stuff um i don't know i, I i'm interested in in learning more about her and understanding the role that she plays um i really can't quite understand the appeal of Ron DeSantis at this point. I mean, I, I just, there's, n I mean, he's, you know, I, I have long complained that we're not going to get a Gen X president. And so help me if the Gen X president we get is Ron DeSantis, I'm going to, I'm not going to be happy about that either. Oh, he's just a, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just don't get the appeal. I just, I don't get the appeal. There, there are other, there are other people in the race who I do get the appeal. I get, I get the appeal of a Nikki Haley. I get the appeal of a Tim Scott. I, even Chris yes. Christie, who's, who's going to, who's going to announce his, his, his campaign here soon. I get the, you know, the Southern gentleman like Asa Hutchinson. I get all of that. I don't get Ron DeSantis. Yeah. I don't get the appeal. I really no. don't. No, no. Look, it, it just. <clears throat> We, we are well on the record for saying why we think Donald Trump is a hazard to the well-being of the planet and everyone who lives on it, right? So Yes. No, but what Donald Trump did was 
opened up politics to a whole group of people who were not involved. Yeah. I have family members that I count in that group. We've met them all over the country. Polling shows it. Then he lost a whole bunch of people after the nightmare of his presidency was experienced by us. The only way, and you, you just start going back through the presidents who, who won. They have always been the ones who have opened up the political system to people more broadly than those who came before them. Yeah. Ron DeSantis won't do that. He can't right. do that. He, is, he has decided, I'm not doing that. If you think the people that you want to vote for you are the people who are mad that politics is becoming too left-leaning, you are already talking to a group of people who know a lot about politics. You're not expanding to a new group of people to bring yep. them in or people that feel that they've been left out and left behind. Not doing that at all. So Ron DeSantis, his whole shtick is somehow people are as mad about Mickey Mouse, literally, and pronouns, and apparently a whole lot of people that are really worried about women's track and field fairness because somehow transgender people have ruined track and field sports for women's sports. Yeah. Just, I mean, there's a fiction that exists in that world. What else does Ron DeSantis have? He's not going to be the pro-business guy. In fact, they've even said in their campaign, they're not the pro-business candidate. Yeah. Who's, <laughs> well, then who, who really... The part of Florida that people like is the sun and the beach and Disney. That's yeah. the part that they like. They No one says, honey, let's go to Florida. Ron DeSantis is the governor. It's just such silliness. I I, I don't know. And his idea that like, we're going to take Florida to the rest of the, rest of the world. We're going to take it to Iowa and you we're know, gonna, we're going to make America, Florida again. Yeah. We're going to make America, Florida again. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, so look, I, we're going to talk about Ron DeSantis for the next six months because he's going to hang around simply because he has enough money, but George mm -hmm. or, uh, Jeb Bush had enough money, had the mm -hmm. most is nowhere. Hillary Clinton had enough money. Didn't go anywhere. People having enough money is not yeah. the point. I, I know everybody thinks money is all there is in politics. Listen, money is part of it. It's, but it's not the whole story. It, no, it's, it is. Yeah. it's like wealth. It's like being rich. Once you reach a certain point, you have enough. And all the money after that is just color. It's, it's not changing the substance, right? You've, once you reach a point of financial stability, and if a candidate can reach a point of financial stability, then they're going to be off and running. But look, I thought Tim Scott actually has come out. I think Tim Scott is the sleeper. And I think Tim mm. Scott will pick up a lot of people in <laughs> in Iowa and then when he gets around to South Carolina in that order I think he's going to struggle in the north in the northeast but I think if he can really land hard in Iowa and he can he can uh, take care of South Carolina there is a chance for him because for the people who want their as much as Ron DeSantis wants to say we don't want a a, a woke America Tim Scott, as he said it himself at his own launch, just walks in the room and he's like, I am the alternative to the left's narrative about how this mm -hmm. all works. Yep. You know, my age, 
my race, my opinions. These are all things that confound the people who stand against us. And I'm telling you, that guy uh, has a real chance. And that concerns me on the policy level. Like if we ever do get back to the, yeah. the danger of Donald Trump not not uh, harassing the people of this country and we're back into whose ideas are best, as we saw in the debt ceiling conversations you know, over the last week, um, Tim Scott's ideas, I think, are not the best. I think Tim Scott's mm-hmm. ideas are very harmful to the, to the future of the country. But that's the kind of conversation you can have as, you know, citizens and, and people that care about public policy and all the rest of this. I, th- I think Tim Scott's got the, uh, as, as a real chance to, to get some people behind him. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. Um, I, yeah, it's real interesting. You just wonder in a, you know, what is the, like, if people want an alternative to Donald Trump, people are positioning themselves as the different alternative. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Ron DeSantis is, is one kind of alternative. Tim Scott is another kind of alternative. Asa Hutchinson is another kind of alternative. It's, it's going to be real interesting to see wh- what kind of alternative people want. Now, now Dave uh, uh, McDermott on Facebook uh, has a very subtle counterpoint to my statement yes. by simply asking the question, who is Tim Scott now? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't think he's being snarky. I'm going to grant that he probably doesn't know. He is uh, a senator from South Carolina. He's a black man who has a conservative narrative about how conservative approaches to government was his pathway out of what he says was the family turmoil and the generational poverty that he had experienced. And so, as he says, he went from his grandfather being a, a sharecropper to him being a congressman. And he says that he can narrate a story about how conservatism was the pathway that led him there. He's articulate. And his faith narrative for the evangelical yes. and Catholic voters is the most compelling. His version yep. of that, it, I promise you what, it's not Ron DeSantis. Um, and his commitment, uh, to signing the most was he's put it the most conservative and restrictive abortion laws that will pass my desk as president. I will sign it is uh, the kind of thing that, that those, that the real organizers of the anti-abortion movement really want. They, they know Donald Trump's not going to do it and they don't know if, uh, if Ron DeSantis will, but, but Scott's there. So that's who he is. Um, he's, uh, he's got a deep faith network also also raised pretty good amount of money as launch which launched last week but the fact that people haven't heard of him is is likely a problem i mean the interesting thing that you know just from the you know i don't know kind of uh, whatever just as an interesting cultural point or whatever i mean single man um Mm-hmm. which, you know, um, you know, I, I think it's been a long, long time since we've had a bachelor as president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Like not in modern time. Right. Uh, as we mentioned, that would be just something I would desire so deeply. So we don't ever have to talk for four years about what is the first gentleman or the first lady doing. Um, I just, we should not have, we shouldn't, jobs shouldn't come with your spouse when you're in elected office. Yep. You don't, you don't get a twofer, uh, yep. when you hire somebody. Yep. Um, and, and I just wish that that would, that that would go away. 
Uh, well, Yabit says, look, uh, like DeSantis, Scott will win every state that Trump won in 2020. And he says he's going to win Georgia as well. I'm not entirely sure about that. We'll see what the what the system and the party feels like and looks like in Georgia after an indictment comes down on the yeah. twice impeached failed presidential candidate Donald Trump. When that happens, uh, that's going to divide the state and Republicans are going to have a hard time staying cohesive in Georgia. I think that's going to be a real problem. Yeah. All right, Rob, let's talk about the debt the, the debt ceiling. Any uh any thoughts on this just ridiculous yeah. kabuki theater that never was yeah, going mean, to be a problem yeah. and they just both made themselves heroes for doing nothing? Doug, do, do here's what, what I want. should have done and never should have been in this problem. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go full screen, Doug, and I want you to rant about the debt ceiling. Just just give it to us because like you're it's going to be a while before you have the Rob. chance to do this again. No, Make it happen. I, 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 uh, look at the 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 feed from last Thursday. We did a whole thing in the debt ceiling. I'll just say this full screen. Look, there is no. Rob is now walked away. If you're if you're if you're only listening to the audio, Rob I, I maybe had a bit of a personal need, uh, but he has now gotten up and walked away. I should probably check. Maybe he sent me a message somewhere in this and said, "Here you go." Look, here's the thing about the debt ceiling. In my in my view. The Republicans created a crisis that then they're bragging about now having solved. Increasing the amount uh, that the United States is going to pay to the citizens that it's borrowed money from over the last 200 years is not something that Congress should not do. By the way, uh, I'll stress this again for those who are new to listening and just a little friendly reminder for those who listen regularly. This is not the same as increasing debt. The debt ceiling is how much money can any particular Congress pay to pay the people who have taken their money voluntarily out of the system by buying bonds for the most part. There's a few other things, but primarily by buying bonds so that money can come out of the system without coming out via taxes. You can watch last Thursday's whole conversation about this, about how the federal government budget works. It's different than other budgets and so on. So this is the time where the money comes out of the system uh, that people, when, when if you buy a $50 savings bond, that $50 is now no longer in circulation because you gave the money to the treasury and they just got rid of it. Then later they're going to pay you back that $50 plus the interest in order for your money not to be in the system. That's what's called on a balance sheet debt, but it's not debt in the same way that if you have a credit card bill or if a state were to sell bonds or something else. It's a different thing because the federal government is the actual creator of the currency. So the treasury can make as much money as it ever, ever wants to. Just needs to have the authority by Congress to do that. What the debt ceiling is, is how much can we pay people back for money that they've already voluntarily taken out of the system? That's all that number is. And that number goes up and moves around by a whole lot of different variables and interest rates and other things. So that number changed. But it's not like we said we're, we're spending any more money. What the Republicans did was they said, if we're going to pay our citizens back for the monies that we took out of the system, we need some other things to change. That's what they did. They created a crisis that wasn't a crisis and then said that they've solved the crisis by being real professional about it. And Biden and the administration has chosen to go along with this and to tell that narrative as well and to say, look at us, we all 
done a good thing and we figured out our problems and we got it solved. And they're going to end up getting, you know, whatever it is, the 218 people to vote for this thing in the House and it's going to pass the Senate. We're going to move on because it never should have come up in the first place because we shouldn't have a ceiling on how much the debt can be because we're always going to raise it. It just has no meaning at all. There you go, Rob. Do you feel more comfortable now? Yeah. So, uh, so Joe Biden, (laughs) listen, I I say that I, I never dreamed I would work so hard to get a president elected that I barely want to be president. That's been my line about Joe Biden since 2020. Um, Joe Biden, and I I spent the first year. Because you want to be more progressive, we should we should just clarify for new listeners that your problem is you don't think he goes far enough down some of the progressive slide or sides that you as you'd like him to. True, and I I also prefer younger candidates. I prefer people with different levels of experience. I mean, all of it. Um, I, I spent the first year of Joe Biden's presidency very, very nervous that he was going to get the reputation, get tagged with the narrative of someone who had, you know, okay ideas, but he couldn't get anything done. And I thought the withdrawal from Afghanistan was going to be the quintessential moment of his presidency. Joe Biden has turned into an extraordinarily skilled president. I mean, he completely outmaneuvered and destroyed Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. in this in this debt ceiling mm-hmm. debate. Now, I mean, we can set aside all of the questions about the debt ceiling and whether we should have one and the whole kabuki theater of it, and I'm totally with you on that. But in regard to this deal, the framework of this deal that has been made between Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy, uh, it it appears as if Joe Biden wiped the floor with Kevin McCarthy. (laughs) I, I don't understand. Like Kevin McCarthy, I mean, there is, there's not drastic spending cuts. Mm -hmm. There are not radical work requirements for people with, uh, who, who get government benefits. Um, there is not, um, Joe Biden, like he, he flat out won. Yeah. And, you know, and it, what it's absolutely remarkable. And, you know, I think, um, I think two things. I think this really helps Joe Biden, giving him momentum headed into the summer and into a time when, you know, his reelection campaign is going to be, is going to be gearing up. Um, I actually think that this, this debt ceiling debacle on the part of Kevin McCarthy um, might cost him the speakership. Quite frankly, um, yeah. Look, if, you know, if it, you're right. If some of those more conservatives uh, say, I mean, they're they're lining up to flesh for this. You didn't. You you said you were willing to shut down the government over this and yep. default, and we want to default. They wanted to default. Yeah, they thought they yeah. thought it would be a good reset. That would yep. be interesting. 
Yep. So you've got you've got Congressman Donald um, Byron Donald, who you might remember was you know one of the favorites of the yep. conservatives um, during the uh, during the speaker voting. Um, he's come out as a hard no. Nancy Mace, who is allegedly a uh, um, a moderate Republican who, you know, she doesn't seem to know what she is. She is the one who, um, Annie Andrews, uh, one of our favorites, um, challenged. Um, she's come out as a, as a hard no against this agreement. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a real possibility that this is going to get passed w- over the the loud and strong objections of the Freedom Caucus folks, who yeah. were then going to, uh, you know, challenge Kevin McCarthy's speakership, and we might be back to where we were in in January, watching yeah. C-SPAN nonstop. Yeah, I wonder if they're if they're willing to throw down over this. Now, I would guess that McCarthy and Scalise and the other thugs that have to do the thuggery in the Republican. Uh, caucus have figured this out. I'm guessing they've gone around and said, is anyone going to, because it only takes one of the rule changes they put in place is any Republican can call for a new vote on the speech. And if someone does that and it throws this thing back in and then that all passes that, that one, that person who called for the vote is in, is in bad shape. So if you're going to call for the vote, you've got to make sure that you've, have enough people who are willing to swap out speakers and uh, you know, they're, they're going to play a game of chicken on this. So I'm guessing they have counted the votes and that's probably what has taken this so long uh, to, to get to where it is, is wanting to make sure that this, this kind of thing, this kind of thing doesn't happen. Um, Yeah. Look, and, and Biden has been willing to go along with this and he's been willing to give McCarthy a sense of prestige through it. He's, he's basically said you, the way you negotiate with your, people on the other side of the table is you honor them and you make sure that you way you treat them uh, emboldens them in their with their own people. That's a that's a negotiating tactic that Biden has believed in for a long time, that every negotiation we get into, you need to come out of this being more honored and more respected than you were when you came into it. That's a philosophy. And I heard McCarthy come out yesterday and say, I want to just thank Biden's team and his staff. And they're very professional and very smart. To put it in your terms, we just got rickrolled by these people and thrown on the mat and pinned in like four seconds of a junior high wrestling match because we found out we were wrestling the varsity (laughs) wrestler from the other, from the other school. And, um, they smacked us down and yeah, they did a great job. (laughs) beating us uh uh yeah in, in the game in the game that we asked for right. you know in the thing that we demanded now i know that there's progressives and i'm in this crowd i don't think the biden team should have been willing to negotiate on any of this i think they should have just said you can't but as it turns out if you don't win elections and if Democrats are not going to win enough seats to control the House. You don't then get to have the world the way you want it. You have to yeah. live in a world where it has consequences. Fortunately, there were a lot of races that didn't go the way they could have. Democrats won enough races in 2022 uh, to keep this from being a total disaster. Because had they had 40 seats, man, they would have been ripping that yep. uh, that uh, uh, the future of the country and the the 
budgets that have already been passed would have been dismantled. Um, you, know, you know what I was surprised though, Rob, in all honesty, in all honesty, what I was surprised was not in here was repealing Obamacare. I never heard him mention it once. <laughs> Do you remember how much blood was let, political blood oh, was let over yes. repealing Obamacare? It was the thing, the yes. big man. I mean, what they finally got rid of was that you don't have to pay a fine. They finally, yeah. you know, just got rid of that. But that was it. Isn't it a little shocking that we came all the way to the point of nearly shutting down the government and it wasn't over that issue? That was the organizing principle issue to stop Obama. You know what I haven't hardly heard a word about since the election of Biden, Obamacare, or Barack Obama. The only one who ever talks about him is Donald Trump. Nobody else. Like everybody has just moved out, which is also a political lesson to be learned. It doesn't take long for the ideas and the leaders and the battles of an age to just be seen as completely antiquated and over yeah. there and not something that we're that, that we're dealing with anymore. And look, this and, debt and ceiling, as a, we will say as a, in six months, oh, remember that ridiculousness? That oh, Yeah, that yeah. was happening back in the spring of 2023. It'll just be obliterated. Well, first of all, by three indictments, they're going to come down against Trump. We're just going to stop talking about everything and <laughs> only talk about whether he has a plea deal that's in the works Yeah, uh, that's yeah. going to keep him out of jail. But Become but, court but eventually, TV. Eventually, yeah, it's going to be OJ all over again. But eventually... Uh, we're just going to forget all about this. And it was all yeah. a big bunch of nothingness and a waste of time. But it did make McCarthy look like a, a real diplomat um, while he got pinned to the mat. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'd just say, okay. I, I would just say, as a as a person who gets their family's insurance through the uh, the exchange known as Obamacare, uh -huh. I'm... Uh, I'm happy that uh, Republicans have seen. Oh, Obama. for sure. Yeah. Look, yeah. <laughs> like even the thing when they wanted to get rid of Obamacare, all the things that they said we're going to keep were the things in Obamacare. Yeah. It, it was like saying, honey, I, I'm going to redesign the kitchen. I'm going to get rid of the junk drawer, but I'm going to use this little drawer over here. And I'm going to put all the things that were in the, this drawer. I'm going to put them over there in that drawer. Yeah. And, but it's going to be over by the kitchen and we're not going to call it the junk drawer anymore. We're going to call it the specialized items drawer. That's what they basically said with Obamacare. All the things that you wanted were going to stay, but we're not going to call it Obama. Well, we're not going to call it the, the health, uh, health insurance. Yes. Now look, I think it should have gone much further. I'm not happy with Obamacare at all. I think we should have gone to something where it didn't just privilege the insurance companies and the providers yes. and keep that whole system in place and have it be reinforced for another generation. I think we should have moved to something more like a single payer system or better yet have put doctors on public payroll and nurses and all the rest of it. So you have much more, the public side needs to not just be on the insurance side. Boy, now I feel like it's 2018 and we're talking about this again, but the solution <laughs> is not how does insurance get paid? The solution yeah. needs to be how is care provided? Yes. You need to be working on the care provider side, not just on the reimbursement of private doctors and private medical companies only. If you really want to compete, even Medicare needs to uh, shift to something where the whole system is much more sustainable. So I think a lot more could have been done. It's kind of too bad we're done talking about that for really probably our lifetimes, maybe our children's lifetimes. I don't think this is going to be revisited. 
at any point because there doesn't seem to be any political appetite for it or even yeah. even person appetite for it. We've just decided we're going to live with a we're going to live with a private healthcare delivery system that at some level is publicly reimbursed. Whether that's, partially pu partially yeah, whether that's social security or medicare or medicaid or the exchanges or whatever that's and you know people getting subsidies for the exchanges yeah that's that's pretty much pretty much how it's how it's uh how it's going to go and i think that's that's a bit too yep. bad all right rob well the other thing we want to talk about today was a little insider view from you as yeah. someone who ran for congress and at this very period i think last week you were saying it was the the five-year anniversary or six-year anniversary of your deciding, is that right? Eight years, yeah. seven years, yeah. 12 years? Yeah. I don't know, some anniversary of when you had decided you were going to run for Congress. Because when someone decides to run for office, that process starts way before anybody else in the world knows about it. So give us a little insight. What is it like for someone yeah. who's deciding right now, I think I want to be in public, uh, I want to do some kind of public service job as an elected official. And that could be Congress like you were running for, or it could be at a county level or a state level, or somebody who wants to run for president, something else. Um, what, uh, what, what goes on for somebody who's thinking about running for office? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's the conversations in your head about, you know, do I really want to do this? Um, these are the conversations that should be happening. These are the things you should be thinking about, you know, what actually is the job? Um, you know, our, our system of government is set up with three equal branches of government. Um, there's executive jobs, president, mayor, you know, county, whatever, yeah. governor there's, you know, in here in Arkansas, county, county manager. Yeah. County yeah. manager here in Arkansas, we call it a county judge, even though it's not a judicial branch. Um, but then there are, you know, there are judicial um, um, opportunities as well to to run for. And then then there's others that are more legislative, like, you know, Congress or, you know, state representative or city council. You think about what what the job is, what what issues are touched by that job. And, you know, if you're if your thing is, you know, wanting national health care you know, running for, you know, county clerk might not be the you know, the best way to get there. You know, you know, think about what your, what your issues are. And if that job actually touches those issues, uh -huh. um, you know, kind of thinking through those things, um, you've got to ask the question, how much is this going to cost? And do I, either, do I have that or can I raise that? Um, you know, regardless of, you know, what everyone's opinions about our, how we fund our elections in America. Um, and I think that's a, a worthwhile discussion to have. The reality is, is that our elections are currently funded by either the individual who's running or people donating to them. Um, and elections typically cost more than you expect that they would. Um, the average congressional race costs two million dollars. Um, a a medium size mayor's race is like fifty thousand dollars, which mm -hmm. um, a medium sized city mayor's race, which that even seems kind of low to me. Um, so I you got to think through that. Um, you 
at, one of the things I tell candidates all the time is you absolutely have to have your 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 spouse, your partner, and and your kids on board. Um, this is something that you 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 can't run for office by yourself, um, regardless of the position. And if your if your partner is a little bit iffy on it, um, mm-hmm. that's going to be a problem. Um, you, they absolutely have to be on board. Um, I remember in 2017 or 2018 during that elect, during that campaign, um, I, I talked with a guy who was running for Congress in Tennessee and, um, his, his wife wasn't so sure that he should do it and was just, and, and it was immediately a red flag to me and, his campaign never really got off the ground. Mm. Um, and, and I attribute it completely to, Mm. you know, his, it it wasn't the right time for him to run because his, his, his wife wasn't on board with the idea. Um, it's just too all consuming to, to, to do it alone. Also, if you work a full-time job, like if you got to think through that as well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because running for office is not something you do in secret. It's, you know, it's something that you yeah. want pe- people to know that you're doing. And so you've got to think through like, what are the implications for my work? Does my, does my company have a policy against people running for office? That happened to me when I ran in, in, in early 2018, I had been hired by a company that had a policy that uh, employees couldn't run for office. I was told that they had made an exception because again, I, you know, was not making any, there was not running for office in secret. And uh, I was told that they had made an exception because they wanted to hire me. Um, The day my street signs went up, um, I got a call from human resources and uh, said, Hey, Rob, are, are you running for Congress? I said, yes. Uh, do you know that we have a policy that people can't run for office if they're an employee? I said, yes. I was told that when I was hired that there was an exception made. Well, Rob, I'm going to have to call you back. And uh, hung up the phone with the person from HR, and I packed up my desk and went home because I knew I knew how that call was going to go. You knew how this was um, going. Yeah, but I I walked away from that and feeling like you know not discouraged that I had lost my job, um, but really encouraged that my street signs had worked. See, that's that's half that's that's glass half full right there. That's a, yeah. That's that's the yeah. attitude of a winner. Yeah, that's yeah. The attitude of a winner. What uh, when when someone's um. I want to talk a little bit about this choice of what role someone's going to run for. Um, I just did a quick search here of asking the internet, how many people represent me Mm. where I live? So I put that in, put my address into the, to the myreps.datamade.us site. Um, Seems real legit. And it came up with 22 at the state and the county uh, and the federal level, 22 people, and then five city council members, 27. Hmm. Now, I will say that five of those look like they are uh, Supreme Court justices. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those are Supreme Court justices, which 
I don't really feel like the Supreme Court justices are my representatives. So, you know, sure. it could take those seven out. So I've got, you know, 20 to 27 people, which means that I could, because I'm taking Supreme Court justices out of this because I don't think I can just run for a Supreme Court justice. Maybe, maybe I could. But legitimately, I could run for 27 other or 20 other seats. Yeah. That's overwhelming to people. And that doesn't even count school board, yeah. which is a very legitimate right. way because I don't yes. have children anymore and I, so I'm not doing school. It doesn't even include school board. How does a person typically decide? Do people get into yeah. running for office or people are listening to this or have a friend? Is it because they have some issue and did like what you said, like yeah. I have an issue yeah. I care a lot about? Because it feels yeah. like so there's, yeah, there's caring about two, an issue yeah. is the last reason you should run for office because yeah. whatever office you're in, even if it deals with that issue, that's not all it's dealing with, right? right? It's right. it's like, um, it, it you know what it sometimes can feel like? Sometimes when I go to the hardware store and I need the one ratchet uh, attachment, you know, I need a 9 16th bit, and then I buy the entire set. <laughs> you know, like yes. maybe I didn't need to buy the set. Maybe I just needed to have the one. Maybe I should just influence a representative rather than investing yes. all this. How, how do and how should people decide which of 20 elected official roles yeah. should an average person decide they want to run it. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's ultimately, I, I think there's a couple of reasons why people decide to run. Um, one is um, they want a career in politics. Like they, mm -hmm. this is, they, they want to be involved in public service. They're drawn to it for whatever reason. And so there is part of the, there's part of the political game, yeah. so to speak, where you run for a lower office and you, and, and you kind of work your way up. Um, and you know, there is, there's that kind of system in place. And so somebody might run for a city council position, knowing that they eventually want to run for state representative and maybe eventually for Congress And there. Yeah. So they, they kind of look at the ladder. Um, Part of it too is figuring out kind of what seats are open and available. Um, you know, I had a conversation with um, someone last week who said, um, you know, I, I, I said to them, you know, they're thinking about running for Congress. And I said to them, no, 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 they're thinking about running for the United States Senate. That's what it was. And I said, well, I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of a big step to go from never running for office before to running for the United States Senate. I said, why why are you thinking the U.S. Senate? And they said, well, where I live in the city where I live, um, all of my city council people are can are are people that I like. My congressperson is someone that I like. My state rep, my state senator, somebody that I like. Yeah, yeah. This is the only position that's that's open kind of open for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that's a big jump. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a big jump. So there's lots of reasons. And then there are people who, you know, they care about a particular issue. They care about, um, you know, whether it's, you know, running for school board because they, they want to push back against the, you know, the, the radicalization that's happening of our school boards or, um, you know, they, I've always joked that if I ever run for mayor of my city here in Arkansas, um, my one issue will be improving snow removal. Um, 
because when we the occasions that we do get a snowstorm it shuts us down for a week and the you know millions of dollars that costs our local economy Mm. that if we invested in a a couple of decent snow plows and maybe got one of those guys from Pottstown, Pennsylvania to retire to Springdale and run our snow removal, you know, like a volunteer, (laughs) like a volunteer fire department. You have a volunteer snow removal. Hey, Robin, I have two words that'll solve that for you. Two words, beet juice. Exactly. Beet juice. By the way, a little fun fact while Rob takes a drink here uh, of coffee, I'm guessing, or maybe some water. We we were in Pottsdale, Pennsylvania, and happened to be in a Pottstown, Pottstown, and meeting with uh, a bunch of people in a fire old firehouse where we we're there supporting the now the now governor in, in his election in Pennsylvania, and we were chatting with these people, and they run they're like the city managers, and they run the city snowplows, and it gets very snowy there and very hilly. And they were telling us all these really great stories about running these snow plows and the kids that would take over the streets and not let them run the snow plows because they wanted to play in the streets. So these guys are like, it's our town. So we love these kids. So we just would wait to plow the hill so they could, they could sled down it. Like just all this really great stuff. And in the midst of that, and these are gruff, like they run machines kind of, people men and women they're all real real hardy sort of like tough, <laughs> tough people and in the middle of that rob says to him hey hey bill or whatever his name was hey bill do you guys uh you know when it gets real icy do you guys ever use beet juice to melt this to melt the ice <laughs> and i mean i have seen a look of disdain in my life but this guy <laughs> looked over at poor rob ryersey and truthfully, it's a great, it actually is true. Beet juice is one of the things they do with the overextended so beet funny. subsidies is that it turns into a great ice melt. But this yeah, guy he, was like, no, around here, the ice is real. I don't know where you're from, but we yeah. don't, we don't, oh, we don't woke up and use beet juice. We put chemicals oh. on this street. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was just, it was one yeah. of the great, one of the great moments oh, of fantastic. Uh, being being out and about all right rob uh what what sympathies should someone have for someone in their life who's running for for, if someone comes to their door maybe they're never going to vote for them because they're not in their political party but there's just something about the act of saying vote for me i'm going to organize my life to ask for your vote that you think would be a great encouragement for yeah yeah i think i would encourage everybody that that the emotional roller coaster of running for office, particularly the first time, if you've never done it before, is is something that y- you know you you really can't appreciate until you do it. Um, mm-hmm. There's that. There's the sense of it, you know, one minute you're feeling like I might actually win this thing, sure. and then the next minute you feel like this is the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. What what (laughs) am I doing? And you can ping pong back and forth between those things. And so I would just, I, I would, I know it's easy to, when somebody puts themselves out there in the public, you know, in the public to run for office, when you literally put your name out there, whether it's on a sign or whatever, um, it's easy to, to think of them as, you know, thick skinned celebrities that you can take pot shots at and all of that Just say somebody shows up at your door, even if it's a conservative Republican, you know, that you might, 
disagree with strongly or or whoever it might be like this is a human being yeah. who's who's taken a big risk because they believe in something um and like they're they're emotionally going through a lot and just i i think a little bit more kindness and empathy yeah um towards the human beings that are involved in this um would be really good because yeah, it's great. it is especially for people who are doing it for the first time it is it is a it, 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 it's a journey like like you wouldn't believe and truthfully if someone's at your door or in a parade or standing outside of a grocery store greeting you they're not going to win just statistically speaking right yes most people who win elections are going to win because their party is already uh you know the, the party they represent is going to get the most votes they're going to if someone is out there doing retail level of engagement yep. they're trying to break through somehow so rather than now if it's a current elected official that might be a little bit different you might be able to you know want to say to the person hey you're the fat cat in the position of power and i want to you know, I want to tell truth to power and get after you and, and do all that. But if, but if you're in any other situation where you met someone who's running for, especially if they're running for Congress or even for a state rep or something, and they're not your current state representative, just know they're doing something that they're telling themselves on a regular basis. There's a chance, but I'm not doing this from a position of power. And it's just a helpful thing to know because our democracy cannot work if people don't offer to be in these yes. roles and yeah. very rarely George Santos set aside and maybe Donald Trump very rarely do people run for office because they don't have an other option to be successful in their life. That's right. Very rarely. That's right. So even if somebody's right. elected, it's not like they're saying to themselves, well, if I don't have this job, what am I going to do? And sometimes we talk about that, right? Like someone's going to lose their seat as a congressperson or a Senator or something. And they're like, boy, that really ends their life. I mean, how terrible for them you can pretty much go get a job, right? Like there's still work to be done or a state representative or a city manager or someone else. It's not the end of the world. These are not the only jobs, but somebody who's running against one of those people, yeah. boy, they feel like they are, they're yeah. on the, they're, they're on the, they're, they're feeling the undertow here. They're, they're not riding the wave. They are, yep. uh, they're, they're, they're yeah. feeling beaten up. So when it starts to happen, as it starts to come about, um, you know, be a, now, be a be a voter of common good in your yeah. attitude toward these folks because yeah. it's now doug there are do you do you know how many elected officials there are in the united states oh, without googling question. take a guess do you know Ninety-two thousand. oh you're way off One hundred forty-seven thousand. Four hundred ninety-seven thousand. Five hundred. Oh, I was going to say 500,000 my next guess. 497,000. 497,000. Okay. 497,000 elected officials in the United States and I think, you know, I think mm. you could be one of them. You know, like why not, right? Yeah, why not? You know? yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not be one percent? Like I really half think a, it's half a percenter. Yeah. I I think well, it's I think it's good for democracy for people to be engaged and to and 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 for people to run for office, I think I think that's good. I totally I, good. Uh, so I, you know, I would just I can I can I shamelessly plug here for a second. I um, wish you would. If you've ever thought about running for office, um, I would love for you to visit a website called youcouldrun.com. 
you could run.com. It has um, articles that uh, um, I've put together along with a, with a friend of mine who was my campaign manager on my, on my race. We have learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work and what it's like to be a first time candidate and Every, all of it. And, uh, and we've written some articles about that. We've put together a, a little course to help people who are first time candidates run for office. And mm-hmm. so if you, uh, if you've ever thought about running for office, you could run.com, which I say parenthetically, could not believe that URL was available. Yeah. When we were, you know, yeah. you could run. Um, yeah, you could run. And if you're interested, maybe you're not interested in running for office, but you'd like to hear more about my story as and the the, you know, crazy attempt that I made in in 2018 to uh, to run for Congress. Uh, I've written a book about it. It's called uh, Running for Our Lives. It's available on Amazon and all those places. You'll you'll read about when I launched my campaign, um, sitting at a table, filling out the paperwork to start my campaign, um, next to an unknown bartender from the Bronx named Alex, um, who later, you know, became known by initials only. Um, I, uh, you'll, <laughs> you'll read about, um, the time I ran into my congressman, the person I was running against, uh, randomly in a Starbucks, and uh, the very awkward conversation that took place uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> during uh, as a result of that. And I came away from that um, feeling pretty good about the fact that he knew who I was. Um, you will uh, you'll find out about. Yeah. Just I, I, you'll hear the the story of um, one of the worst experiences I, of my life uh, visiting. So I ran as a progressive Republican. The experiment was to challenge a conservative um, conservative Republican in the Republican primary from the left. It uh, it didn't work, but it was a it was a fun experiment. But I found myself at the uh, Marion County Republican Party. Um, oh, it was like their Reagan dinner, and it was out in the like out in Yellville, Arkansas. And Yellville, Arkansas, is about as big as you imagine it is. Um, in a in a building full of um, Trump-loving Republican folks uh, who don't live in the city. And uh, it was just, it, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and uh, and then I actually, I end the book talking about um, uh, our first Vote Common Good tour and uh, being on the bus for the first time. Um, so if you're interested in, in that, um, that's out there. There's also a little documentary about my run for office that's that's out there as well that probably can find Google me and find this stuff. But yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing experience that um, had no idea what I was doing, putting the train together as we were going down the tracks, as I like to say. And it's made me uh, very passionate about helping other people run for office mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's a great experience that I wish everybody would do once. Well, thank you for running. Uh, and if other people are thinking about running too, you could run.com. It's a place you can go.
Yeah. All right. Is that good for today? I know it went a little That's bit long, but yeah. 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 And we're in a bit of a summer season around here with the, with this, with the podcast and cause lots of, lots of staff things going on. So if you're regular on this stream and you listen or the podcast, and you're like, Hey, it's not as frequent as it is sometimes being three days a week in its norm. That's just cause stuff's going on. Uh, so we will, uh, be back in touch with you uh, tomorrow and uh, some of the other days this week, but we'll uh, talk to you soon. All right, Rob, we good? Is that good enough? We're good. Everybody, thanks for all the uh, all the comments yeah. today, Mike D and Stephen. Nice Trisha, to have you uh, around. Dabbits, mm-hmm. Alex, Denise. Try to Dave. keep up and pop pop some things on the screen every now and then. If you're not yet watching over on YouTube, that's our preferred place. So if you Tony. don't care, just know we do. And if you do care, then we don't. So if you want to stick stick with where you are, that's why we put them out on all these places. But if you can get over on YouTube, we'd love to have it. And this also comes out in an audio-only podcast version if you're watching this. So if you want to subscribe to the Common Good Podcast, uh, you'll find it. And it's easy to share with friends and family and uh, and neighbors. Have you ever a neighbor share a podcast with you? Honestly, do you ever listen to a podcast anybody shares with you? I have people be like, uh, hey, you'd love this podcast. You should listen to it. And yeah, I, I have I listened to individual episodes of podcasts that you have shared with me, Doug. Oh, it's kind of a test question, wasn't it? Because I, I have shared a lot of them. <laughs> I've shared a lot of them with you. I was going to think, I guess that would have dawned on me later. Like, hey, huh. Hmm. Uh, all right, we'll share this one. This will probably be the real breaker. People will actually, Absolutely. actually appreciate this one. All right, we'll see you later, everybody. Bye.